the reason we hire Ugandan staff is because we want our children being raised up in their culture. We want Ugandans to take care of their Ugandan children, and they want to. And so for us, it doesn't only change the life of the child, it's changing the lives of our staff and their children and their families for us to be able to provide careers for them. It's the same when we're building the, the, the church and the school. We're building that using locals. We have 500 men lined up at 6 a.m. in the morning wanting to lay brick. And we've been able to employ over 800 men in our village as we've built this school. Do you know what that creates? It creates investment. They, they are invested in that school. That is now our school, not my school, right? It's our school. There, there is a waiting list a mile long for their kids wanting to go to that school because their daddy and their grandpa built it. Expo Missions does not just service local uh, needs. It also has an international component. Can you talk a little bit more about maybe how that began and uh, what's going on right now? Our international program began after our adoption from Ethiopia. We wanted to mirror what we saw happening in Ethiopia in Uganda. And so we started serving at a children's home called Redeemer House. And as we were giving toward that ministry, it actually was dwindling down because of some legalities. And it was either going to be shut down or come under the umbrella of X-Hope. And so we ended up adopting a children's home and restructuring it and getting right with the government, pausing on taking more children in until we knew what we were doing, basically. And so Redeemer House has been redeemed, really. And it is a place where children come to us for immediate relief, rehabilitation, and then reunification. And so our main goal at our children's home is to rehabilitate the orphans or the street children who are brought to us by the government and to find their biological families who are willing to care for them with support. And once we're able to do that, we're able to reunify them, put them back into their village, and then continue their sponsorship through education. So these children come into the home through a process that the government vets, and there's certain criteria, like they either have to be homeless or they have to not have parents. Or So when these kids come to Redeemer House, they're not in the greatest shape, it sounds like. No. When the children are placed with us, a lot of times they're medically fragile. They're very sick. They're malnutritioned. They've been on the streets or they've been abandoned. And the government places them with us using a care order. So it's a legal document that shows, hey, here's this child. They need medical attention immediately and rehabilitation. And so I can give a story. We just had... A baby come to us uh, about four months ago, and she was a little over a year old and only weighed nine pounds. She had been left in a hut most days with absolutely zero nutrition, and she came to us. It was actually scary because her life was on the line. Uh, We took her weekly to the clinic. We spent a lot of money on medical care, and 
the cool part of the story is that we have a farm so that our children's home can be self-sustaining. And the cow was producing enough milk at the time to give directly to the baby. And she immediately started progressing. And what we found out recently is that her mommy is only 16 and a half years old. Um, She had been raped. She had given birth to this baby and the baby has special needs and she didn't know what to do. So she would leave the baby in the day and go try to scavenge for food and most of the time was unsuccessful. And so on my last trip there, I just returned three weeks ago, on my last trip there, the staff introduced me to this young lady and said, this is the baby's mom. I'm like, what? And so they were able to find the mom, ask her if we supported you, if we could help you, would you be willing to care for this baby? And she, it was a resounding yes. Like she wanted to, she just had no support and no way to do it. And because she's a minor, we were able to get a care order for her too. And so now she's living in the children's home with her baby and she's being mentored by the mamas there and the baby is continuing to improve. That must be overwhelming to, to go there to hear these stories. I mean, these are things that you hear from other people and you're going there and experiencing it. Yeah. What is that like for you? It's like the motivation behind coming home and asking for support over and over again, because I see what it's doing. I see what it's doing and I'm so grateful. I'm so humbled. I'm so honored that I get to go that I get to go three to four times a year and see the impact that X-Hope is making at Redeemer House and the lives that are being changed. I mean, it's it's thousands of people. It's thousands of people. There aren't thousands of people that live in our children's home, but we have reunified nearly 30 children back into their forever homes. We have educated more than 300, and now we're opening a school for our neighbors. Um, our Our children's home is becoming self-sufficient. We have a farm. We have a compound. We just built a guest house for our mission teams. And now the school is opening. And so it is, we're hosting events. We just built a church. Like it is more than words can explain. And so that's why anyone whose heart is being touched in this moment, apply to come on a mission trip. I get to take you. And I think that is probably the most impactful thing ever. People ask, isn't it better just to give you my money? My money goes a long ways. No, no, no. Come on a mission trip and see where your money is going. Your life will never be the same. And then you'll come home and also be a voice. Yeah. And in a sense, that's almost where Jesus' heart was. He didn't just, you know, throw money at people. And hopefully you get this. He he brought them along on a tour Mm -hmm. and really built into 12 people that, what his heart was and so that those 12 people can be impacted and then you you know the rest of the story um some of the success from what i hear you saying is because the staff there they're not missionaries from here over there tell me about how that plays into the success and, and who these people are that are actually working at the redeemer house yeah so we have 19 staff working at redeemer house and they're all ugandans and The reason we hire Ugandan staff is because we want our children being raised up in their culture. 
We want Ugandans to take care of their Ugandan children, and they want to. And so for us, it doesn't only change the life of the child, it's changing the lives of our staff and their children and their families for us to be able to provide careers for them. It's the same when we're building the, the, the church and the school. We're building that using locals. We have 500 men lined up at 6 a.m. in the morning wanting to lay brick. And we've been able to employ over 800 men in our village as we've built this school. Do you know what that creates? It creates investment. They, they are invested in that school. That is now our school, not my school, right? It's our school. There, there is a waiting list a mile long for their kids wanting to go to that school because their daddy and their grandpa built it. And so we've been able to provide so many careers and empower so many families by doing it this way, by being in partnership, saying, hey, we can bring this, but what can you bring? None of this is free. This isn't like, hey, here's free education for everybody. We will find your child a sponsor if you're a grandma with 13 kids and you absolutely cannot send your grandkids to school, we will help sponsor some of your children, but what do you have to give? And when we ask that question, we're empowering them to do something. We're giving them a reason to invest, and they can. Everybody has something to give. Yeah, well, you're giving them dignity. You're giving them the opportunity to, to show that they have something to offer. And that's probably... A difficult thing to do when you're when you're overseas. Just let me do this for you. Let me let me provide all this stuff, and then you can just consume it. But it sounds like you have a different model of well, yeah, we'll come here, but you got to meet us halfway. Absolutely. Even when we host outreaches, so each mission trip we go on, depending on who applies for the trip and who comes on that on that team, uh, we host outreaches. So the last one we did a men's conference, and we were expecting three hundred men. We had 900 men show up for the men's conference. Those are men in our village that wanted to hear. They wanted to learn. They wanted to be empowered. But what was amazing is we got there and our staff had rented all of the chairs, all of the sound system, everything that we could have needed. They had prepared the food. They had done everything. And we just showed up and shared testimony and the word of God and prayed and celebrated with these men. It was amazing. And so that's what partnership looks like. And before we go on a trip, we ask them, hey, I'm bringing this team and we have some teachers and we have a couple pastors and we have some businessmen and we have some farmers. How can we best bless you? What would it look like for us to come and serve alongside you? And they always come up with the ideas of what outreach they want us to do. Yeah, because they're locals. They know this is what I think the need would be. And that's the benefit of that model, it seems like. Yes, exactly. Did you have any stories of staff at the Redeemer House that may have been impacted and how have they translated that to you upon your arrival or maybe via email or letters? In our reunification process, there has been a couple situations where we've actually been able to hire the parents. So in one story, we have a little boy who was placed with us. Again, he was incredibly ill when he came to us on his deathbed. His grandma has done, had done witchcraft on his feet. Um, he was born with a club foot, and in Uganda, that's a curse. And so she had put some wood stakes through his feet and nearly killed him. And so he came to us. We did medical attention, um, took him back and forth to the clinic, and 
went to visit his dad in the village and explained to his dad this this could have killed him and this is witchcraft we introduced him to jesus when i say we i mean my ugandan staff (laughs) and they actually ended up bringing his dad out of that village near us at redeemer house and we hired him as our guard he accepted jesus into his life he got baptized Um, Our little boy, Ryan, was placed back with him and his wife and their five other children. And now they work at Redeemer House and serve alongside the community. So it's an incredible testimony. What do they do? I mean, I know they prepare for your guys' arrival, but how do you, how does that go over when when you first arrive? You just came back from a trip, so it's still probably pretty fresh. But as you you know, get off the plane and, 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 and take the ride over to the Redeemer house. When you, when you see this or are greeted, what is that like? It's like seeing your family that you haven't seen in a few months or in a few years. They are waiting for us. They celebrate our arrival. They love us so well. I mean, it genuinely feels like you're walking in to visit your family who you've deeply missed. We are family. We, we are family. I mean, there's no other way to explain the love and the connection. Um, when the Bible talks about, you know, brothers and sisters in Christ, it's a perfect explanation. And even people coming for the first time, they're greeted with, you know, hi, this is my, I say, this is my friend, Karen. They say, hi, Auntie Kara. I mean, you're immediately an auntie or uncle just because they know that you've invested a ton to get there. They know that it's expensive. They know it's a long journey. They know we're on the flight for 24 hours and that we've been, we've been investing in their education and in their future and their families are forever changed because of it. And so they greet us with such love. What are their needs right now over there? Currently we are building the school. And so we are looking for classroom sponsors and people who want to make an investment to finish phase three of the school, which is going to be our primary school. Um, In addition, there's always sponsorship opportunities to be matched with a kid and pay for their education. Um, and then again, I would always encourage people, if you have a heart for, for missions or international um, orphan care, please apply for, a, apply for a trip and let us bring you over there to meet the families and see the testimonies for yourself. It's incredible to, to see, you know, some of our staff are our college graduates. They're kids that we've put through school the last 14 years, and now they're serving on our board there, or they're working as professors and doctors and lawyers and such. So it's, it's incredible. I mean, the testimonies alone are forever life-changing. Do you have um, any testimonies from folks that you brought from here to the States. I really didn't have any idea what Redeemer House was. Um, they went over there and you just seen something click in them. Yeah. This last trip, we actually had four, four team members get baptized along with 30 something Ugandans. Our four Americans got baptized. What happens when we choose to leave our comfort zone a lot of times and we go and we pray big, bold prayers and we expect Jesus to show up and we are not distracted and we put our phones away and we join in fellowship and worship and, you know, servant, servanthood and God speaks. I mean, we hear his small, subtle voice and we experience his presence in ways we can't hear because of distractions, you know, 
it's interesting. They talk a lot about idolatry in these other countries with witchcraft and all the things that are very true. But, you know, we have a lot of that going on here in America, too. I heard a story where the guy said, oh, yeah, you have you have idols. It's the big yellow M. He's talking about fast food. They can't imagine that we have fast food and we pull up and we give money and they put our, our, our food through a window. Because when they eat a meal, it's rare. And they sit down together and they give thanks and they slowly eat and they don't get three a day. You know, they're lucky if they get one a day. And it's just so different. Our perspectives change so much. And so there hasn't been a trip yet where I have taken a team in the last 13 years where there hasn't been radical heart change in the people who go. Not, never. It's never happened. We come home different every time. Some of the videos that I've seen on Instagram from you it seems like the joy is just different in their church. And um, they come from a different perspective, I'm sure, and have a different idea of how God interacts. Um, how do you see that different than our churches here? This is a good question because this we talked a lot about on this last trip. There was um, one of the team members that went. He said, you know, the the really loud people in worship at church kind of used to bother me. I would think it was distracting. And he goes, and now my heart is completely different. They're praising like that because they have a reason to. And so what happens, I think, a lot of times is here in America, things are, are easier for us. And I'm not saying life is easy for everyone in America. Please don't hear that. But when our kids are sick, we're not fasting and praying for God to miraculously heal them most of the time. Some people might do that, but a majority of us take them to the doctor when they have an ear infection, right? Or we take them to the doctor when they're sick because we have health insurance or Medi-Cal or whatever, right? We can go to the doctor when our kids are sick. That is an impossible situation for a majority of the families that we serve in Uganda. They cannot take their child to the clinic. So they're desperately praying for a miracle. And when their baby is healed supernaturally because they can't go to the clinic for medication, they have a lot of reason to praise God on Sunday morning, on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday also, right? So it's just their desperation and reliance on God is so much more because of where they are, because of what's been given to them. I'm thankful for our country. I love America. I am so grateful for where we live. But life here is very different than life there. And my eyes are wide open to that now. How do you remain connected to them? I know you go over once a quarter. but How do you, um, yeah, just remain connected with, with the operations over there and you know, quite possibly the needs? Or is, it, is it more of a, well, we have staff there and we've come to know and trust them that they'll handle the day-to-day? Um, but how do you have such a great relationship? Well, we've been going at this for 13 years, and a lot of them, um, you know, started as as guards and cooks, and now they're in management. And so we've raised our staff up. We've invested a ton in staff development and leadership training. We do staff retreats and training every single time we go. In addition to that, I do monthly Zoom calls with the management team there, and then the management team learns 
from what we're doing in our meetings, and then they they go do that with their staff. And so there is there's five managers that I deal with um, weekly, sometimes daily, just depends. But they're running the show. I mean, they have a budget proposal that they give to me. They do really well with that. They're constantly working towards self-sustainability with the farm and with our little store that we have. Um, they have little small businesses, and so they're constantly working toward being self-sustainable. And um, they try not to ask. You know, they they want, they they take a lot of ownership in that ministry there. They know more about the everyday operations than I do, and I fully trust that they are there because they know that they are called to that. And so one of the things we say at Redeemer House and we say here at X Hope is this is a calling and a career. It cannot be one or the other. We are called and God has equipped us to do this. And it's by his grace that it's a career, but we have to be called first. And they, they believe that too. Rewind time to 13 years ago mm-hmm. and someone comes to you and says, Hey, um, in 13 years, you're going to have this amazing Redeemer house. When you look back on everything that's been accomplished, what what goes through your mind? The scripture where he, where we're promised that he does far more than we could ever dream or imagine. Like we ask and he, he gives far more than that. And I say the word often, I'm, I am so humbled when they send messages of gratitude and here's the impact you've made. And I show up and they call me Mama Wendy. Like I'm a mama to, to hundreds of people in Uganda. That is only Christ in me. I mean, that is the love of God in and through me. That God gets all of the glory. But I'm telling you, he's done this for us. And it's been, it's been obedience. It's been yes. It's been sacrifice on my family's part. Um, but we have had an unspeakable joy. And God has been faithful to do far more than I ever dreamed or imagined. <laughs>